conversations on people's beliefs, why they believe, and how it shapes their life. This, this is Crosscheck. Is Crosscheck. Hello, I'm Tim Wong C. Welcome to the podcast. And in a few moments, you're going to meet Masood. Maybe most difficult situation in my life when I decided to leave Iran, left all of my memory, all my friends, my family, especially my mother. Masood talking about the difficulty in leaving his hometown after the US tightened oil and bank sanctions on Iran, and that put an end to Sony's trade where he was working as a sales manager. And as a result of the sanctions, he was made redundant. And he eventually found himself seeking a new life in Australia, travelling by boat through people smugglers. Smugglers said, nice boat, everything okay, provide for you, food, water, everything. We went to like a piece of wood, we call boat. You're going to hear more about what Masood describes as nine days he would never forget until he managed to reach land and phone his family. Passed the phone to my mother and talked to my mother. I said, my mom, mom, I, I'm alive, I'm in Australia. Yeah, she said, praise God. Now let's meet the man behind this story, Masood. My name is Masood. I'm from Iran. I'm 35 years old. I came to Australia about four years ago. I started off by asking Masood about his family and his time growing up in Iran. It's difficult to talk about my memorial in the podcast because it's too big and it won't be too long. But yeah, lots of good memorial, also bad memorial. Um, I lost my father when I was a child, like eight, I was eight years, like 27 years ago. He, my father died because the heart attack. I had a big family. Uh, you know, in Iran, it's difficult. Not in Australia, a great country, or social security like Centrelink, or no support from the government. Can you imagine my mother, like, uh, same as age of 40, with eight kids? And so when you, so when you eventually finished school, mm-hmm. uh, you went to compulsory military service. You did that for two years. Uh, and then you went to work in a factory for two years. Yeah. Um, how did you decide on that line of work, or did you decide on that line of work? My father was a mechanic, one of my brother mechanic, lots of... Uh, oh, right, it runs in the family. Yeah, okay. like, we, we're proud of that. <laughs> mm. was it was a difficult time. In Iran, a mechanic is not really a nice job. And uh, about my city, maybe hottest city in the world, Maybe 60 degrees in summer. Really? And you're dressed in these, in these warm clothes and yeah, you're yeah, packed into a factory yeah, working was, on a production line? Yeah, it was really difficult for me and I decided to change my job and uh, start work at Sony Company as a, as a sales manager. I was going to ask what led to that change, but it was kind of a motivation to try something new and explore something different. Yeah. In Sony Company, it was completely different. You, you just connect to people, to dealers, to customers and... I was like, uh, I was travel to the different city of state and meet meet the people, find the feedback, and you know talk to dealers. M- many different jobs in, in sales management was very interesting for me, you know. Yeah. And subsequently, because of the trade sanctions placed on Iran, you you lost your job. Yes, yeah. And you then posted on social media. Yeah, about actually, your disappointment yeah, about not, that? not just because of that. Eight years ago, I started a protest in Iran. It's happened because the election and uh, they changed the vote. We, all people angry and came to the streets and protest. And when I lost the job, it, it, 
it was really difficult time for me because I said to you, I really like my job, and I lost my job exactly because the government, you know, the sanctions, just uh, costly for Iranian people. And then you were subsequently arrested and, and taken to court over it. Um, what, I mean, how aware were you that that was going to be the result of posting on social media? Were you aware of it? How much did you actually yeah. know what was going to happen? We have a branch, a special branch in the police of Iran called Fatah. This responsibility, responsibility is uh, check the internet and cover the internet, like a Twitter, Facebook. And uh, someone called me and said, I'm a uh, person, I'm sergeant from the Fatah branch. Wow. And you have to you, uh, you have to go Fatah branch tomorrow. I was really worried because because only a few months before that, uh, a person uh, uh, he did things like that, uh, share something against the government and arrest him and uh, torture him and, and killed. Wow! Exactly in in this branch Fatah, in a yeah. different city in Mashhad. Yeah, I went there and they arrest me and uh, sent to the court. And judge said, we have to check your, your case, your document. You're temporary free. You can go. But we, we will call you again. And it was really difficult for me and scary. And, and I decided to escape from Iran, yeah. And that's, yeah, you just, it was one of the catalysts in making your move out of Iran to somewhere yes, else. Yes, exactly, yeah. Maybe most difficult situation in my life when I decided to leave Iran, left all of my memorial, my friends, my family, especially my mother. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and then you um, got in contact with a, with a people smuggler. Yeah. Uh, he was based in Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, and you flew to Bali eventually. I just went to Bali in the airport. And uh, I was one night in Jakarta. And after that, the smuggler took me to the island name is Makassar. I was uh, one week in the hotel, like a, like a motel, not really a good yeah, hotel. Yeah, Four not, or five stars hotel, no. Terrible, yes. terrible motel. Uh, and after that, one week in the, in the house, safe house in the forest, in jungle, in Makassar. You talk about the boat journey and you said it was the hardest nine days of your life. It's a, it's a period of time you'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. Can you set the scene for me on this boat, which is traveling to Australia? What was, what was the trip like? Smuggler said, nice boat, everything okay, provide for you, food, water, everything, ba- toilet, bathroom, things like that. They are a uh, lawyer. We went to like a piece of wood. <laughs> we call boat, but mm. like a fishing boat. I remember yeah, big waves, rain. Like a one day, rain hasn't stopped. And when it stopped, the, the sun came. <laughs> it was really difficult. Lots of kids and baby crying. In the six days we saw the airplane and uh, we thought navy but wasn't navy and after that start the uh, problem we people are scary people start to uh, argue you know we run out the water and some people fighting together from six days to ninth and day ninth was really really difficult Start to argument, you know, it was really bad. Fighting over food. Yeah, like food. That. Food wasn't main problem. Water, main things in in the boat. You need water, food. Yeah, no problem for food. I don't know how it, it's happened. Maybe a miracle. 
Some people shared the, the phone, international phone, with uh, suddenly one of the passengers had a tablet charger and yeah. charged the phone. So if we go back for a second, this phone had no batteries. Yes. It was completely dead. Yeah. And someone managed to charge the phone. Yeah. Suddenly, I don't know how this happened. I can't remember exactly because I was seasick and so slept in the boat and... I don't know how they suddenly charged, a little bit charged for the phone, and they called the triple zero. In the ninth day, Australian Army came and rescued us. Yeah, and it was really big moment for for me. Yeah. What do you remember your physical state being at that stage when the Navy rescued you? You said you mentioned you were seasick, you were vomiting over the side yeah, of the boat, yeah, yeah. etc. What what else were you feeling? Many people, Muslim, they pray, Quran, you know. To read the Quran, praying to God, I thinking, oh, oh where, where is God for for myself? Where is God? What I ask, what God? Why you just can't see us? You know, people like me in in the, this ocean. So when you were thinking that and thinking, where is God? Mm-hmm. What were you basing that for, off? Obviously, what you'd been brought up with in Iran. Yeah, I said in my testimony, I wasn't believed to Islam or any religion in Iran, but I, I always I'm thinking. This beautiful world have a creator, you know. I believe it to God, but which God was no idea. Yeah. You got to a place eventually where you could um, call your family. Yes. And you, uh, at this stage, had been away from home for 20 days. Mm, yes. Um, what do you remember of that phone call to your family? Yeah, my sister answered the phone. And she started crying and passed the phone to my mother and talked to my mother. I said, my mom... Mom, I, I'm alive, I'm in Australia. Yeah, she said, praise God. You know, yeah. Talk to my brother. Only one, one minute. It's very short. <laughs> because many people waiting to, to call the family. Yeah, it was, was a really big moment for, for me. And on that, you were in detention for two months. Yes. And uh, during this time, you had a chance to talk to a priest about Jesus. Yes. Um, now, what were some initial thoughts you had when this priest said that Jesus was God rather than what you were used to, where people would talk about Jesus just as a prophet. Yeah. In Iran, is Muslim people uh, believe Jesus is a prophet, a good man. i never seen an Iranian, even non- non-Muslim, they always respect to Jesus. Even my, my grandmother, I remember she was a strict Muslim, but she, she had a photo in her house from photo of Mary and Jesus. She, she loves Jesus, even she when she was Muslim. Me too, uh, I always thinking Jesus is a prophet because in Islam ideas, it, they believe we just have a five high-level prophet. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, the greatest prophet, and Muhammad, the last prophet. But when I uh, met the priest, I saw the clear thing about Jesus, you know. It was like a shadow between my eyes and Jesus. When the priest talked about Jesus, I, I saw the really, really who is Jesus, you know. I can't tell you what's, what's the feel that, that time. Was it something completely new to you? Or yes. Or something that you were kind of, you knew and some, some people might no, have no. told you in the priest Completely new. Completely, completely new. new. Completely Jesus new. died for your sin, you know. It, it was really big for me. Someone died for me, you know. And son of God. Immigration then decided to send you to Brisbane. Yes. And you arrived on July 9, 2013. Yeah. What were some of the best things 
people did to you as a refugee that you'll never forget when you first arrived? Yeah, I, I remember I came to Brisbane. I had nothing, exactly nothing. It was That time was winter in July, Brisbane, very cold. It was really difficult for me. I couldn't speak English, no any friends, nothing. I had exactly nothing. I remember first night I'm freezing. <laughs> mm. Even don't have any warm clothes. After six weeks, I found a house and a, a, a suburb in Brisbane, Cooper's Plain. A person there working in the church. I found him really friendly and lovely. He gave me lots of food and groceries and asked where, where you live. He every week uh, pick up me to church and even he invite me, invited me to the growth group. <laughs> yeah, which is a Bible study. Yeah, honestly, I couldn't understand anything. They speak English and with Australian accent very quick. I just just looking at <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you saying? Yeah, this is, was the first uh, meet the Australian, yeah. a Christian, Australian Christian. How does your new faith affect how you view what's happened to you? Mm. Yeah, personally, I believe that is, it's it's all God's plan, you know lost my job and come to Australia, become a Christian, you know. I'm, I wasn't very special. I was a normal person in Iran. But I think it's a God plan. Maybe because of me, many people become Christian or doing a Iranian ministry. Yeah, I, I believe that. And when I, when I become Christian, completely changed my life. But uh, for, for Christian people, really different. Uh, I remember first Christmas in Australia, I was really sad and don't have any friend, no money. Someone, someone knocked the door. He invited me to the house for the dinner, for, for the Christmas lunch, sorry, for Christmas lunch. And I saw lots of people just smile and hug me and love me. Even they don't know me, first time they met me, it's, it was really new. Even, even my friend and my family in Iran know like that. <laughs> No one, no one invites wow. you if if they don't know you. No one invites you. Even even family, you have to be really <laughs> like a uh, brother or sister or like. I didn't see even in Iran in my first country. You know, I I never, I never still I can't believe that I'm becoming a Christian. I work in the church was was a, like a dream for me. And uh, when I start work, always I, I I believe to we have to connect Iranian between Australian and, and, and for Iranian to be like a part of the church, part of the, part of the family. Masood, it's been good to, good to talk to you. I just add uh, one, one more thing. I met my family after, four, after like a three years oh, of in course. Thailand. You've just, yeah. sorry, you, of course, I can't believe I forgot yeah, to mention this. You've I just, just come back from Thailand. <laughs> I just back three weeks ago from Thailand. I met my family. It was a very big moment for, in my life. Yeah, I met my mother and my one of my brother and three of sister in in Bangkok. Yeah, it was really a great time for me. You got to see your family, and I believe, um, little, little did you know, your brother came out and surprised you in Thailand, and you had no idea. <laughs> yes, yes. What was that like? Yeah, my brother never flat in his life. He scared from <laughs> from flat. Really? But he came to Thailand and. and yeah. Met me. Uh, actually, he liked it. I said, oh, I was stupid. <laughs>